All right. Well, we're going to jump into God's word together. Uh, you know, this December, we kicked off the month by going through a series that we're calling Rediscover Christmas. And in this series, we are looking at some of the gifts that Jesus brought with him at his first coming. In week one, we looked at the gift of hope. Everybody needs hope. If you don't have hope, you don't have anything. Last week, we looked at the gift of peace and how God's peace, once we have peace with God through the cross, then we can carry the peace of God in our lives and it transcends every circumstance. It is bigger, it is deeper, it is more real than the circumstances that we live in. It's a peace that makes no sense. Today our study of God's word is going to unwrap the gift of joy and our Bible text is going to take us to the story of two women who are pregnant at the same time. Now I don't know if there are any uh, ladies listening today who uh, maybe you went through pregnancy the same time as your sister or a friend or a sister in Christ. Anybody here have that experience where you, you were, pre- yeah, quite a few. You're pregnant with somebody that you knew and there's this instant bond that happens. My mom and, and her sister were pregnant at the same time and uh, I was born two weeks before my cousin, or so my name is David, you probably know that, but his name is John David and because we're two weeks apart, because our uh, moms were pregnant at the same time, there was this instant bond and we were best friends growing up. Well, that's kind of what's happening in our Bible text today. We're going to see a much older lady by the name of Elizabeth and the other is just a teenage girl, probably 14 to 16 years of age, theologians tell us, and of course her name is Mary. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1 and start in verse 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice. Mary, I want you to have joy. Why? He says, you are a highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. So Mary has this encounter with an angel. He says, rejoice, and instead she's troubled. I think most of us would be if an angel shows up and starts talking to us. Like, what in the world is going on here? And the angel said to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Let's go to verse 39. So what's one of the first things that Mary does? It says that Mary arose in those days, went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Verse 44, for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Somebody say joy. So again, as we start reading our Bible text, we find 
two cousins, both with babies in their bellies. And as soon as Mary, who is carrying Jesus, walks into the same house as Elizabeth, who's carrying John, the baby in Mary's womb causes the baby in Liz's womb to leap for joy. If I was a Pentecostal preacher this morning, I would say, when Jesus is in the house, there is joy. Right? Even, even before he's born, his presence is so awesome that when you come into contact with him, you will experience joy. Is there anybody in the house of God this morning who could use a fresh helping of the joy of the Lord in your life? I could. I could. I, we, need, we need the joy of God. We've got two pregnant ladies. They need the joy of the Lord. Come on. You ever been pregnant? You know that. Liz is carrying this baby that we will later come to know as John the Baptist. And, of course, Mary is carrying King Jesus. Now, there is so much in this passage that we could talk about. And although this isn't the focus of the message today, just as a little sidebar, because the text has brought us here, I do want to mention it. One of the raging debates in our culture is, is, you know, when does life begin? Uh, Do babies in the womb, do they matter? Or do they only matter once they're born? And do they have feelings in the womb, et cetera, et cetera? There's lots of ongoing division in our culture concerning pro-choice and pro-life. And again, it's not our topic, but if you are a Christ follower, that means you are going to allow the, the Word of God to shape your worldview. And this would be one of those worldview passages that clearly show us this. That the life of every child matters. It counts. God has a clear plan for every child. And when the baby in the womb of Elizabeth even gets in proximity to the baby of the womb of Mary, Elizabeth's baby responds in the womb. And her quote is, my baby leap for joy because of your baby. This is really a very, very fascinating interaction, not only between the two mothers, but also between the two preborn children, Jesus and John. So do preborn children matter? Yes. Do they have a destiny even while in the womb? Yes. Do they have emotions and feelings even before they are born? Yes. Elizabeth says, Mary, your baby has brought great joy into my life. That's what I want to talk to you about today is the joy of God. Now, when we think about church and we think about Christ followers, uh, what our impression might be of the Christian faith, our perceptions are greatly influenced by the people who helped introduce us to God. Do you know that that almost none of us came to Jesus by ourselves? Almost all of us came to Jesus because Jesus used somebody else to take us by the hand, either literally or figuratively, and, and help us find our way to the Lord. And, and most often what happens is, is, is that person's God picture, the, the picture they have in their mind of God, their God view. Most likely their God view became a part of your God view. And sometimes that can be good and that can be awesome and sometimes that can be very, very unhealthy. Let me give you some examples. If say you had a friend or a family member who helped you find the Lord and their view of God was that he was very strict. 
that he was a very legalistic God, that he was a God who was hard to please, that he was a God who focused on simply following rules. If, if that's the way they saw God, then more than likely, that's the way you're going to see God. Does that make sense? On the contrary, if you, if you got helped along your way to finding Jesus by someone who saw Jesus as being very kind and very loving and gentle, then more than likely, that's also the way that you're going to see the Lord. We all have what we might call a spiritual history, and our spiritual history is influenced or impacted by other Christians that we have met along our journey. And again, sometimes there are very healthy God views that can be passed along to us, but at other times there are unhealthy God views, and they all become a part of this picture we have in our minds. And so for many of us, when we look at God and we begin to think about his character and his nature and his feelings toward us, I'm not sure that joy is at the top of our list. Like if I was, if I was to ask you, hey, hey, bro, what kind of mood do you think God is in today? I mean, let's think about that for, for just a minute. What, what kind of mood do you think God is in right now? If we're honest, many of us might say things like, you know, God probably looks down at this world and all the brokenness and craziness, and he might be a little angry. You know, maybe, maybe God looks at his creation, he's a little disappointed. Maybe he's upset. Maybe God's a little distant. Maybe he's reserved. I'm not sure how many of us would think of God's default mood and say, oh yeah, when I think of the Lord, I see him as a God filled with joy. I don't. Just being honest with you, I, that's not normally my starting point when I, when I think of God. Church, we have to be very careful that we don't take our own emotions and project them onto our God. Like for many of us, joy is not our default mood. Oh, I, I know we would say we're joy-filled people, but we don't really know ourselves. Like, if you want to know what your default mood is, you need to ask somebody. Come on, you need to ask your spouse. You need, you need to ask your kids. You need to ask your coworkers. You need to ask our parking attendants at Crossroads Church. You don't know what, you don't know what you're like. We don't even know our own hearts. And, and I think sometimes because many of us sit on low-grade anger, we just assume God does too. Imagine if you were a crockpot and, and there were settings on your pot <laughs> and one of the, would your crockpot set on slightly angry? For some of us, I, I think that's the way we look at God. It's like, He's set. This is his default setting. It's just kind of, he's slightly ticked off about something. But y'all, as we study the scriptures, we don't see a Jesus that sits on slightly ticked. We see a Jesus that is filled with joy. 
I'm not saying he was never angry. We looked at that side of Jesus. But in order for us to have a healthy God view, we must also know that there were times that Jesus laughed. Jesus joked around with his disciples. He gave them nicknames. Jesus was often invited to parties and events. Jesus was always at a get-together. Little kids loved to be around Jesus. People weren't afraid of him. They were attracted to him. And one of the things that made him attractive to people was his joy. In fact, if we look back at at our text in our Bibles here in Luke chapter 2, look at Luke 2 and verse 8. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy to all people. Why? Why can we have this declaration of joy? Verse 11 tells us, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. As the angel is announcing his birth, the angel is saying, joy is here. Joy has arrived. Listen, church, his presence doesn't simply produce joy. His presence is joy. God doesn't turn joy on. God is joy. David said, in your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. That's what the word says. But for many of us, we feel like spending time with God is like being called to the principal's office. We've got to be very careful about this inward picture that we have of our heavenly father. Even in a church like ours where we we have fun and we laugh and we joke and we celebrate. In in this church we still talk a lot about sin. And we should. But we have to be careful that we don't paint this picture of God that says he's always angry and he's always disappointed with us. We've got to be careful that we don't make him out to be a God who never delights in his people. Because many of us, we, we tend to gravitate toward that kind of picture, that slightly ticked picture of God, do you know that will actually make it very, very hard for us to enjoy our relationship with him? And in fact, it will make it hard for us to just enjoy life. Like for some of us, every time we do something we enjoy, we feel guilty about it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand today, but some of us can't do nothing without feeling guilty about it. We take a day off, we feel guilty. We buy a pair of shoes, we feel guilty. We eat a Snickers or two, we feel guilty. Come on, somebody. (laughs) We take a nap, we feel bad about it. We go on vacation, we can't enjoy it, we feel guilty about it. Some of us feel guilty about everything, even things that aren't wrong, even things that aren't sin. And I believe the root of that guilt is an inaccurate perception of God. To a lot of us, when we think of God, joy is not one of his prevailing qualities. Church, hear me this morning. A Jesus without joy is no Jesus at all. A Jesus without joy is no Jesus at all. Look at John chapter 15 with me. Verse 9. This, these are the words of Jesus. He says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. His friends, his disciples. Abide in my love. Remain attached. Stay in my love, he says. Verse 10. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now watch this now, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This passage is taken from what we call the upper room discourse. I talked to you about that a little bit last week. This is the, this is the longest block of teaching that we have on record from Jesus. And in this block of teaching, he is preparing his disciples for his departure. And here he says, listen, boys, I want my joy, the joy that is Jesus. I want my joy to remain in you. I don't want you to lose it. I don't want you to deny it. I don't want you to neglect it. And then I want your joy tank to be sitting on full. Is that what he said? He said, I want my joy to remain in you and your joy to be full. Now listen, I know this sounds elementary, but you wouldn't believe the amount of Christians that get upset when you tell them God is not always angry. Some of you right now, you don't like this message. You're like, God is mad. (laughs) Bro, what are you holding on to? (laughs) The angel said, there's good news of great joy. And some of us are like, no, I like the angry Jesus better. Some folks just like the idea of an angry God. They only want to hear messages that beat people down and attempt to scare people into heaven. But you all, that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God filled with joy. Do you know that Jesus delighted in his relationship with his father? He enjoyed it. Do you know that Jesus delighted in his relationships, even with his flawed friends? He loved being with his disciples. Peter, who was always sticking his foot in his mouth, doing something stupid. Jesus loved to hang out with him. Even the people who denied him and weren't there for him. I mean, these were deeply flawed men, but yet Jesus still loved doing life with them. Jesus told stories about heaven, and he, and he said, you know, when one sinner repents, there is a party thrown in heaven. He made heaven sound like a happy place. When Jesus told the parable about the stewards and the talents, and to the faithful, he said, well done, enter into the joy of your master. When he told the parable about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, when all those things were found, there was a party with great rejoicing. Even when he was going to the cross, the Bible says that he despised the shame, but he looked through the shame of the cross to the joy that was set before him. Y'all just holding on to your angry crock pot. You got to let the crock pot go. Right? You got to embrace the God of the Bible. I just want you to know this Christmas season that I know life isn't perfect. I know we aren't perfect. But I also want you to know that today our God does not sit on a throne of anger. He sits on a throne of grace and he wants to fill us with his joy. Galatians 5 and verse 22 says the fruit of the spirit is what? Y'all read your Bibles? We ought to get the kids back up here again. The fruit of the Spirit is what? You don't read your Bibles. Okay, we got a problem. You got to start reading your Bible. The fruit of the Spirit, the thing that the Holy Spirit produces in us, one of those is joy. Nehemiah 8 and verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
Romans 14 and verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not simply eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Psalm 1611 says, In his presence is fullness of joy. Do you know that joy should be one of the hallmarks of the Christian faith? It's a gift that Jesus came to give us. And if you are a miserable Christian, you are an awful advertisement for an awesome God. We've got to be people who smile. Some of you are like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, I prayed about this message. That's how I know it's from God, when you resist. We ought to smile. We ought to be happy people. We shouldn't be people who sit on edge all the time and just get ticked off at the slightest thing. Thank you, brother. I'm so glad you're here today, brother Ron. Could you stay for next service? Give me 50. <laughs> Listen, I've heard so many sermons that, that they'll say things like this. You know what? Don't do what makes you happy. Do what makes you holy. How many have ever heard that? And that makes for a great one-liner. But the idea it conveys is, is that you can't be both. Can I tell you that Jesus has never taken anything good from my life? Anything he's ever asked me to give up was something that was hurting me. So the idea is to say, I mean, this idea, hey, you know, choose, choose holy and not happy. No, the truth is holy and happy are BFFs. <laughs> Holy and happy go together. And when you choose holy, you will be happy. (laughs) Jesus has never taken anything bad from me. On the contrary, the things that he's taken from me have been things that have hurt me. And the things he's added to my life were things that would bless me. Church, our God is a good God filled with joy. And if somewhere along the way you've picked up this mental picture of a God that's always mad, always disappointed in you, impossible to please. I'm just urging you this Christmas season to allow God's word to renew your mind and experience the joy that Jesus came to give. For a Jesus without joy is no Jesus at all. John Piper said this, Christ not only offers himself as the divine object of my joy, but he pours his capacity for joy into me so that I can enjoy him with the very joy of God. Y'all, God may not always be delighted with our behavior, but he's always delighted in our relationship with him. God is not moody. His love for us doesn't go up and down with the weather. It doesn't go up and down, doesn't change even with our performance. And I know in the culture that we live in, this time of even, you know, the commercialization of Christmas and all that, I know that pleasure can become an idol. Greed can become an idol in our lives. And, of course, we need to guard ourselves against things like that. But as Christians, we're not people of guilt. We are people of grace. 
joy to the world. The Lord has come. And just as peace transcends circumstances, so does joy. And this year, I know we have a lot of folks who are going through the holiday season and you're in a difficult spot. Our family's going through some hard things ourselves right now. And you, you look, you know, it's like, well, how, can I, how can I find joy? Joy is deeper than just simple happiness. It's, it's down much deeper than that. Joy doesn't come and go with circumstances. Joy is a person. Jesus. Even if you're grieving this holiday season, if you're able to find some joy, I want to encourage you, don't feel guilty about that. Sometimes that's what we do. If someone that we've loved is, is now in heaven, they're, they're gone from this life, and, and we're going through this hard time, but we find a little bit of joy here and there, next thing you know, guilt can come in. And can I just tell you, your loved one would not want you to feel guilty about finding some joy. Give yourself permission to enjoy the life that God has given us. Will you stand with us today? I want to pray that God would just help us to see him for who he is, for who his word declares he is. So many of us have had deposits made into our God view that are not always right. And I want to ask him to renew our minds. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this Christmas season as we celebrate the first coming of our Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the things that came with him. We thank you for hope. We thank you for peace. And God, today we thank you for that unspeakable joy. Father, I pray for us as a church. Lord, we, we all bring a spiritual history with us. and Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's godly. Sometimes it's accurate. And sometimes it's not. And anywhere, Lord, that we have an unhealthy picture of you, we ask you, Lord, to take your word today by the power of your Holy Spirit and to renew our minds. Let us see you, Jesus, for who you truly are. Let us rejoice in who you are in us, God. Let our joy tanks be full this holiday season. God, we take a moment and we pray for our services next week. God, we pray that you would bring people, thousands of people from every direction. God, we pray that you would bring those who don't know you. God, we pray that you would just open their hearts to receive you, God. That, Lord, that many would come to you next weekend. That you'd be glorified. Father, I pray for the saints who come, God. Those who already know you, I pray, Lord, that, that we would just rejoice and we would celebrate. And this place would be filled with your love and your mercy and your grace, your power, and yes, even your joy. We give you thanks. Bless your people this week. May your presence rest upon us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.